When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golick. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golic and Smetty. I am Mike Golick Sr. She is Jess Smetana. And Jess, it is still big-time football, though college part of it is more off the field since that season is over. But on the field in the NFL, we just went through the super wild card weekend. We got a lot to talk about there. But boy, weather affected that so much. And we're going to talk about it as I sit in Arizona and you sit in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) It is a beautiful, sunny, 77-degree day right now. No clouds in the sky. I checked the temperature of my hometown this morning, and it was negative 9. That was the current temperature. Not even with the wind chill, negative 9. So let me get this out of the way first, because anybody who is listening, watching, however however you see us or, or any show, has been through travel issues. Uh, what I went through in Dallas, I, I did the Dallas Green Bay game, and, and what a win by the Packers, by the way, which which we'll get to. Oh yeah. So that game was an afternoon game, and I, I fly I, from Phoenix to Dallas, and it's a direct flight, and then Dallas back to Phoenix. So I got a nine thirty flight out of Dallas. Now in Dallas, it was as cold, very cold, like two degrees, five degrees. Was it wasn't snowing at that point, and it's a dome stadium, so no worries. I was fine in there. But Dallas dealing with the cold. Now, I dealt with that with Dallas when they had the Super Bowl back in my Mike and Mike days at ESPN when it was snowing there and awful and basically the city shut down because they have absolutely no clue how to deal with bad weather. Even though they occasionally get bad weather, they still haven't figured out how to deal with it. And they still haven't, by the way, as to the story. The only reason I'm really telling it is because everybody has travel horror stories. So I had a 9.30 flight, which I which I had plenty of time to make after that game. And I get on the plane and we, we push back at about 9.30 and they say, we have to de-ice, mm-hmm. which I've been through, you know, living in, in cold city. So everybody kind of knows what you have to do to de-ice. Let, let me speed up this story. We push back at 9.30. It is now 12.15. We had not de-iced yet. And oh they already said we would be at least 10th in line to take off after oh no. de-icing. Once it hit 12.30, and I guess there's a new rule. I don't know if you knew this rule. But if you're three hours away from the gate and don't leave, you have to go back to the gate to give people a chance to get off the plane if they want to get off the plane. I did not know that rule. I guess I didn't know that either, but that sounds like a humongous headache. It does. So we were there. We were three hours and he said, we have to go back to the gate. So we go back to the gate at 1230, pull into the gate. And after we pull into the gate, we're like, okay, whoever wants to get off, get off. Let's be on our way. No. Then the, the pilot says, oh, by the way, he didn't say, oh, by the way, but I felt he should have said this earlier. (laughs) The co-pilot is going to time out. Oh, no. Which means they have to wait for another pilot. And they said that could be at least two hours 
to wait for another pilot to to which even at that point, Jess, even at that point, I was like, I'll wait. It's still a direct flight. I'll get in three, four o'clock in the morning. I do the show with Mike at six Arizona time. So I'm still fine to do that. And then oh. and then five minutes later, he comes back on and he said, uh, update. Uh, the flight has been canceled. I'm like, oh, no. Are you kidding me? So now it's about one o'clock in the morning. I quickly text Mike to say I wouldn't make the show. And he only got it when he woke up. I had to text my daughter and her husband, Sydney and Ben, who live 10 minutes from our house, house saying someone's got to go back and hang out with the dogs because I was no. expected to be home. Uh, and they had, would had no idea what was going on. I, I had to pull up a slab of concrete and lay on it for a couple of hours. And then I, I had a couple of firsts. I had never been in line first at TSA, but it opened. <laughs> so I, I, my, I had to get my own flight. The next flight they put me on was a day and a half later. Yeah, no, that's me. not going to work. So I got yeah. my own flight. I ended up going to Delta because this was all American. I ended up going to Delta, but now it was a connection through Salt Lake City. And it was going to no, leave at 5.15. By the time I got off the plane, it was about 2.15. So I went and laid down on the, on the floor for about an, about an hour. And then, then I went over and I stood in line at TSA at 3.15 in the morning because it opened at 3.30. So I was standing in line waiting for TSA line to open. And then I went over to my gate. 5.15, we pushed back. And again, we had to de-ice. Oh, no. So... Even the captain, as we're getting ready to de-ice, the captain says, everybody understand we're not in Minneapolis or Chicago where they de-ice all the time. They are not used to de-icing here. Basically saying they suck at doing this and it's going to take a while. <laughs> it took so long, Jess, when we landed in Salt Lake City, I did one of those. I got off the plane and sprinted. My flight in Salt Lake City left at 810. I got off the plane at 7.59. Oh, Jesus. And I mean- Did they wait for you? I, well, this is it. I sprinted, sprinted to the point where I was in Salt Lake City, so I had elevation. My lungs were burning. It was either that or I was out of shape, one of the two. I'm coming up to the gate, and obviously there's no one milling around because the flight's getting ready to take off. There's this moment, Jess, and I, as I said, everybody who's had travel issues has gone through this. I'm turning the corner and I'm either going to find people, you know, the people working there and the door open or the door closed. Right. I turn, two ladies there, the doors open, and they said, are you Mike? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we waited for you. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Yay. So, happy ending. Yeah. So that, yes, it was a happy ending. Yes. Yes. Let me guess. They de-iced that plane in like five seconds. Oh in my God. With they, they, and, and when they said it there, but I didn't worry a bit. Salt Lake City, they're like, yeah, we're going to have to de-ice. I'm like, that'll take two minutes. They know what they're, and they did. It was quick, but oh my God. I mean, so all I would say is this is nothing to the the people who worked at the gate or the, the, the flight attendants or the, or the, uh, the pilots or anything. But it's, it's the only thing worse than the Cowboys, and this is where I'll make my correlation to the game. The Cowboys game was Dallas Airport's ability to handle bad weather and de-ice. It was horrific. So there you go. That was my story. Do you think Mike McCarthy's in charge of that too? Oh boy. He may have time to be in charge of that. <laughs> Uh, after what went on, that was, uh, 
listen, we know that was going to be talked about the most as I was calling that game and just seeing it be 27 to seven at halftime and all of us just going, what the hell is going on? I mean, what a, what a absolute brutal, brutal game for a team who has unfortunately a pretty good sample size of not getting it done in the playoffs. Yeah, not great. Well, I'm glad that your travel nightmare is over. Are, where, do you know where you're going next weekend yet? Is it somewhere cold? No, I got the Green Bay at San Francisco game. Oh, so I'm very God. happy and it's a Saturday game. So I'll be able to get home Sunday and not have to, you know, miss the show with Mike like I had to uh, this past Monday. So yes, and it's not a cold place. So I got lucky two weeks in a row. I wasn't in Buffalo or in Kansas City. I got to be, while it was cold, I was in a dome and I'll be in San Francisco where uh, I don't know when the last blizzard hit in San Francisco. I said, so I think I'm pretty safe. I do think Texas, I, I've never I've never lived in Texas, but I feel like the perception of Texas is that it's pretty, the weather's pretty mild. But the only times I've been to Texas, I have experienced very, very cold weather, both in the spring and in, I went there for the Cotton Bowl. I've been there for uh, South by Southwest and for Formula One. So like different times in the year right. and every time I've been just like freezing my ass off. And then, you know, the one time I was there for South by Southwest, we got there, it was freezing, like frigid wind. And then the next day it was like 70 degrees yeah. and sunny. So I had to pack for like every season, right. but it's a sneaky cold place to go in the winter that I don't know if you expect it to be cold every time. No, no, you don't. But it's been cold enough that they should be really doing well. <laughs> They, they, they should be able to de-ice <laughs> a plane and be able to figure it out. That said, they don't handle it well. We hope everybody, we never want to call for anybody's job. So I hope everybody's safe there. Well, but, you know that people probably, they're, they're straining their resources to hire yeah, the fewest amount yeah. of people possible to make the most amount of money possible at all. Here's, where I, here's where I feel bad for everybody though, Jess, is while, you know, it, it sucked for me, I was alone. So I go sit somewhere, I can deal with it. I mean, at three in the morning, I'm seeing families walk by, Ooh, Yeah, you know, a mom awful. and kids or a mom and dad and kids and thinking, my God, and the airlines, man, if it's mother nature, you're screwed. You're not getting a voucher for food. Yeah. You're not getting a voucher for a hotel. They just say mother nature on your own. So I felt so bad for, because the, the every seat in there was packed with people trying to relax and wait till the morning for their flight. But I just think that part of it is is just horrible. They 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 offer you nothing. Well, glad glad you made it home. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the pups are happy, Mike. Yes. And you know what? You didn't have the worst worst time this weekend. I had a worst time this weekend just watching the Steelers oh. lose another playoff game. They're fifth in a row. I have nothing nice to say about any of the NFL. I'm I'm mad at everyone who won. I'm laughing at everyone who lost. I'm just a bitter bitter, sad person today after this weekend of football games. So there was only really right uh, out of the six games, one good game, correct? I mean, it was the Lions and the Rams. That was a one-point game. Again, to go back, if people forget, the Texans smoked the Browns 45-14. Chiefs beat the Dolphins 26-7. The game I did, Packers uh, win by 16, 48-32. Steelers lose 31-17. Even though that got to be a one-score game for a little bit, I, there was never a thought that that Philly or that Pittsburgh was going to get back into this. And then the Eagles uh, beat uh, uh, get beaten 32-9 by Tampa Bay. So it was only the Rams and Lions game that was a one-point game. So 
kind of a disappointing weekend overall. I thought I would, I would also say like the second half of the lions in the, in the Rams was like, not as exciting right. as it could have been. Maybe because like a bunch of Rams players got banged up. Maybe both teams just made good adjustments, but I, the second half definitely like it, it lulled a little bit for me, but I'm with you. I think when you're coming out of a, a big playoff weekend and most of the conversations happening on sports radio are like, do you pay this quarterback or do you fire this coach? It was probably yeah, a non-competitive yeah. weekend of football. And I feel like between the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Eagles, uh, that's kind of the Steelers even, like, that's kind of been the topic of conversation. So, so along far. those lines, let's start with the coaches. You know, we, we can get to the games, but, but as I said, they weren't, they weren't that great of games. So the coaches' names that were mentioned, th th there had been talks of should Mike Tomlin step away or be gone from the Steelers. And for those who need a quick history lesson, they have had three coaches since 1969, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin. They are the epitome mm -hmm. of continuity and, and not, the, not what goes on today. No, there's no you know, Teppers in this situation, the owner of Carolina who just fires a coach at will all the time. Although he he used to be in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that so. is, yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> so there has been Tomlin's name kind of floated around. Nick Sirianni was talked about. Uh, and certainly Mike McCarthy. Do you think one, two, three, or none will be gone from, from their jobs when we get to next year? That's a good question. I, the Eagles, I could kind of see going either way. Like with Sirianni, I think he has such a better track record recently in the playoffs than the other two coaches that it would probably surprise me if he got fired. But maybe if he wanted to leave, that I could potentially see because this, I think between all of the openings right now in the NFL and especially like with the way college coaching has been shaken up, like there's just a lot of a lot of openings right now and a lot of people moving about. So maybe I could see that. But I think the, the bigger thing is like they lost both of their coordinators last yes. year. They lost a lot of the important pieces on their team. Uh, their quarterback is getting paid a ton of money. And that's just a difficult formula when you have to be expected to win and make a deep run the following year, which obviously they weren't able to do. Something happened midway through the season to the Eagles that I don't, I wasn't expecting. And I don't know if anyone was expecting going one and six in their last seven games is, is not very good. And that does, I think, fall a lot on the head coach. Um, but I don't think that's entirely his fault. So it would surprise me if he got fired. Um, with McCarthy, he's had pretty good records in Dallas, right? Like he's, he's won a lot of games this year. He won a lot of games, but it's just this back-to-back -back embarrassing playoff performances. Not like this game, the Cowboys just didn't even look like they showed up and they were ready to play. And it's a home game against a seven seed that barely got into the playoffs and credit to Jordan Love because yes. he looked awesome and the Packers look great. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from them, but this Cowboys team, man, that I don't know if you're a fan and Cowboys fans will be Cowboys fans, no matter who the head coach is. They're like, they're that's, it doesn't matter, but it just feels like you need to make some sort of change there. Now, the name that people have been talking a lot about is Bill Belichick going to the Cowboys. And that I don't know if I really can yeah. picture because we know the relationship that Jerry Jones has with the head coach there. And then you have Mike Tomlin who left the podium after he was asked about his contract last night after the game, which I don't necessarily like, I just think he didn't want to talk about yeah. it. I think he wanted yeah. to talk about the game and that's just how Tomlin operates. 
there's been rumors that maybe he wants to step away from football or maybe he's just ready to leave. The Steelers are not going to fire nope. him. He has one year left on his contract. If anything, he'll coach out the remainder of his contract and then they'll they'll mutually, you know, part ways. But he's not getting fired. I don't know what the percentage chances he decides to come back, but it seems like the team still loves Tomlin. I know the fans are pretty split on it. Um, I think the organization loves him. So that's going to just be entirely what his mood is and what he feels like doing. And that I don't really have a great read on because he's a guy that does not tell that to no. people. He keeps that kind of stuff. Like he's all business. He does not, you know, express his his real feelings on stuff like that out into the media. He just wants to win football games. Uh, but unfortunately, hasn't won any in the postseason in seven years, which is not great. I, so I don't know. Maybe two out of the three. I agree. I don't know which two. Though. I agree about Mike Tomlin. <laughs> I, I think it's on him if he wants to walk away or not. And and I, I personally don't think he's going to. Nick Sirianni is the interesting one because he's had success there, obviously. But then this year, even though they started out 10-1, and one, they weren't playing their best ball. And I think maybe – what ownership and management might look at is look, maybe these coordinators meant a, really a ton to this team because they lost both of them, you know, uh, Gannon to Arizona and Sykin to the Colts. Got head, head, head coaching, coaching job. jobs. And then he ends up pulling the defensive play calling duties from Sean Desai and giving it to Matt Patricia. So you wonder, you know, how, how important obviously those guys were and all coaches are important. With McCarthy, I mean, you actually look at them. They led the league in scoring. He took over play-calling duties, and this offense was playing well. They just had such yeah. a hang-up going into the playoffs yeah. and winning there. Even if they got by this game, they would then be heading to the division divisional round where they've lost their last 10. But Jerry Jones, we know that every year it's Super Bowl. And remember, after Week 18, just a couple of Mondays ago, Jerry Jones was asked about McCarthy's, you know, tenure, and he said, we'll go by week to week in the postseason. Well, if you're going to say that, and the first game in the postseason is an embarrassing loss, you got to wonder if the writing's on the wall for that one. Um, yeah. And I agree with but, you. But, Mike, he's he's won 12 yes. games in each of the last yes. three seasons. It's That's pretty difficult to do. But it reminds me of when my brother Bob played for the Browns. Marty Schottenheimer, God rest his soul, was the coach. Took him to a couple of AFC championship games where they ran into, unfortunately, the the now-named games, the fumble and the drive, you know, against the Broncos. And Marty Schottenheimer eventually got fired for not getting them over the hump to the Super Bowl. You know, Mike McCarthy's kind of in that position with a defense that had times played like they were the best in the league, an offense that had incredible firepower with with uh, uh, Dak leading in touchdown passes, C.D. Land leading in touchdown catches, second in yardage, that they had the explosiveness to get it done, and they didn't. And it's always, you know, a lot of teams, some care as they're building, but for the Cowboys, it's not about the regular season. It's about getting to the Super Bowl. And they, they're not even getting close since they won their last one, I think it was in 96. So I that one wouldn't shock me. The one thing that has to happen is whatever happens has to happen quick, right? Because you can start yeah. doing face-to-face -face, uh, interviews the 21st, but you can be doing Zooms, which are people are doing Zooms, and you can kind of backdoor if you want to find out if somebody's interested. Here's the wild thing to me. Bill Belichick interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job. Just saying that, because <laughs> six other people I've interviewed as well, it, it almost feels like Bill, you know, and, and I get it where we are now, but it's almost like Bill Belichick 
Should he be above that? And you just say, I want Bill to be my coach. What is Bill going to tell me in an interview that I don't know about him? Right. That it should be, if I want Bill as my coach, I'm just offering him the job. Because A, it's weird that he sat through an interview, and B, it'll be even more weird if one of the new coordinators that was interviewed is hired instead of him. It just seems odd, even right. though I think we can understand it. Bill's the second oldest coach in the league. You wonder if it, you know, you're starting to churn to the younger head coaches. But it's just so odd seeing a guy that's going to go down as the GOAT as a head coach is interviewing for a job and still may not get the job even after interviewing for it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I would be so nervous if I had to interview Bill Belichick. Not like an interview, like a, I would be nervous if I were just a journalist or a reporter asking him a question at a press conference. I can't even fathom like you're in charge of the meeting and you have to, you know, ask him important questions. Like just, he seems like you said, like he seems like above it in a way yep. having won six Super Bowls. But in the, in the same kind of vein, uh, Dan Quinn, who Bill Belichick beat in the Super Bowl when they played the Falcons uh, in Houston in uh, 2018 or 2017, um, he has been interviewing for some head coaching jobs. And after the Cowboys defensive performance on Sunday, do you think he coached himself out of an opportunity to be a head coach again? Isn't that wild? You, you get you're going to get interviews because of the job you did for the whole year. But then in the last game, because it went so bad, you don't. I mean, there were guys wide open, wide open. Packers guys so, wide open. Mike. So I guess here's the question to me. Your defense was really good all year. You And they play man more than anybody in the league. And it was obviously working for you. And it didn't in this game. It's not like it never worked. It had worked. So I think, Jess, you have to ask yourself the question, as as I already had talked about or, or, or in these situations, I always put more on the player. These players have produced in this defense. And in this one, they were blowing coverages in man, leaving huge holes open in zone, especially for Romeo Dobbs in the middle of the field. And they mm -hmm. tackled horribly. Mm -hmm. So how much do you put on Dan Quinn when they had been doing it well? It's one thing if you right. stunk the whole season. Right. But they were doing it well. And then in this game, they did not. So it's really weird to then say, I'm going to lay it on the coach. But that's what happens. Right. You know, you say that that side of the ball or the team is a reflection of the, of the coach coaching that team or that side of the ball. Do I think it should hurt him? No. But I could see ownership or management saying, boy, in the biggest game of the season for them, they came up small. How much has to be on the coach for that? I think there's also the aspect of being a team. If you're looking for a head coach right now, you underperform this year and you want to hire the best guy. And it's not so much that maybe he's not the best guy, but it's like selling that to your fans is going to right. be a lot harder now. It's almost like in college football, how we've seen, you know, the, the coaching carousel move so quickly and coaches that, you know, we're getting high, uh, interviews for the Alabama job are now getting these huge raises, even though yep. 
they none of them are the guy that won right. the championship this year. Like you've got Mike Norvell, who, and I'm not saying it's not deserved, no, right, right. but like last game he coached the season gets blown out by Georgia, just gets like a humongous pay raise because he's not taking the Bama job. Like that's why I think with the Tomlin thing, it's like Steelers fans that are wishing him away. I think he's been there for so long that they're not necessarily grasping how much worse a situation yes. can be, how much worse of a head coach a team can have. And Tomlin's been the model of consistency in Pittsburgh, hasn't had a losing season, which is, I know people, I think, kind of like make fun of it because he also has, has won a Super Bowl and, and coached into, but hasn't done, you know, doesn't have the numbers like Bill Belichick right. has. But it's in incredibly impressive, I think, to have never had a losing season in the NFL, which is super competitive and super hard you're in a really tough division um you could have a coach next year if Tomlin leaves that does have a losing season and then how does that that's exactly feel? right it's a lot worse yes. it's a lot worse yes people <laughs> people knee jerk too much and that's what has impressed me about the Pittsburgh Steeler organization is they don't knee jerk they stay with their guy again he has a record for most seasons starting as a head coach 17 uh, as with a winning season, two guys have more. Belichick has 19 and Tom Landry has 21, but they didn't do it from the start of their careers. The downside, the flip side of that is like, you're, they're never bad enough to have like a top 10 exactly draft right. pick and you're never bad enough to fully rebuild, but it's exactly right. You're also not bad enough to have your fans, like not want to show up and go to games anymore so true. and watch them play. We're going so, to get into the college side of coaching and, and free agency uh, in college. Uh, and I, what I want to get to the upcoming game, since we do this once a week, next time we do this, the next games will have been played. But before that, just a coach that, that's talked about in NFL and college. I asked you what of those three coaches might be back or not. How about Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Los Angeles Chargers. That's who a lot of us has put, have put him with because they have a ready-made quarterback. And he has obviously had Harbaugh's had success, even though it was a decade ago in the NFL. Do you think Harbaugh is going to the NFL? I feel like yes. And I also can't imagine interviewing Jim Harbaugh for a head coaching <laughs> job. Like that would also be, and he's an incredibly bizarre and weird guy. Um, and just coming off of a national championship, like what does he really have to say, right? I guess the thing about the Chargers is like everyone there's a perception that they're cheap, right? Yes, like they don't yes. want to pay out a, a large salary to a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who is going to want a lot of money to leave Michigan because otherwise he could sign his extension yes. with Michigan and make a ton of money there. So, uh, but again, like it, it kind of just comes down to what Jim Harbaugh wants. And apparently he wants to win a Super Bowl. So if this is a, a team with a really good quarterback that needs to fix their defense, but isn't that far off, no, nah, I, I don't see how he turns it down. I'm with you because how many times did he bring up, I finally have a seat at the big table with my family? Because remember, right. his father, Jack, won a national championship and his brother, John, won a Super Bowl. Now, Jim has a national championship. And then if Jim could get a Super Bowl, he might be at the head of that table, right? Because he has <laughs> well, John could win it this year, and then he'd have to catch up to, to two. two it's exactly titles. right because remember, there's so. only been three college coaching titles to then coaching Super Bowls. That's Barry Switzer, Pete Carroll, and Jimmy Johnson. And Jim Harbaugh could add his name uh, to that group because I don't, I don't really see it ever becoming a thing where you're grabbing the college coach again and bringing him to the NFL because it's flopped so many times. But with Harbaugh, who was an NFL coach, obviously. Uh, we think that could work. I think he's going to be gone. I think he'd make between 15 and $20 million a year or he wouldn't even look at it. Uh, and, and I don't blame him. I don't, I don't blame him. But I do think there is something to saying he got a title in both the college side 
and the NFL side. Before we move on to the, to the college side, so we have the divisional round set up, and I, and I was looking first at, is there going to be bad weather? So you go to Baltimore, where the Texans are going. I already looked, it's going to be like a high of 25 that day, and they play in the afternoon, so that's not going to be Summer, that's not yeah, going to be bad. I'm doing the Packers game, Green Bay, <laughs> the Packers. We're not worried about a blizzard going on there. Tampa Bay and the Lions are in a dome, so again, it could be cold outside, doesn't matter. You're in a dome, and then the Chiefs and Bills. It's supposed to be in the 20s there, which is balmy compared to what they both just played in, especially the Chiefs. So it doesn't seem like weather is going to be a real factor. So let let's just quickly run down. Do we think the Texans who have been, and if you don't have a horse in this race, I imagine there are so many people rooting for the Texans and the Lions as un- great underdog stories. You give the Texans any shot in Baltimore? I give them a shot for sure. I think Baltimore ultimately will win the game, but I, I think this one is going to be a really fun one to watch because you've got two quarterbacks right now playing like the peak of their yeah. game. CJ Stroud was excellent against the Browns. Browns have a really, really good yes. defense and they just picked him apart. So I, I'm excited for this game, but I think I think Baltimore should and will win. That's it. the thing is we say, oh, the Texans have to play the Baltimore defense. Well, they just played the Cleveland defense. Right. And wouldn't that right. be something? If they beat the Cleveland defense and the Baltimore defense back-to-back, the two best defenses in the league, that would be incredible. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One of the biggest differences, the Baltimore uh, defense didn't have to, or, or I mean the Texans defense didn't have to worry about Joe Flacco hurting him with his, his legs. You yeah. got to worry about Joe, that with Lamar. Joe Flacco, yeah. like he flew, he flew too close to the sun. He, like it all came crashing down. It wasn't his best. And also, you know, playing on the road yeah. in Baltimore, different than playing at home, I think against Joe Flacco. So true. <laughs> Joe will go back comfortably on the couch, but he did a great job. You know, Good and, for and him, again, man. Yeah. I think the, Coach of the year is going to come from that past game, D'Amico Ryans or Kevin Stefanski because of what Ryans did in his first year with the rookie quarterback and Stefanski doing with four different quarterbacks. I agree with you. I lean toward Baltimore uh, in that game. I can't can't give a a winner on the next game, but Green Bay going to San Francisco. What I'll say, the matchup I'm looking for here the best, Jess, in getting ready to cover this game is the Packers did such a great job against Dallas tackling receivers on short routes right when they caught the ball. You see so many of those quick passes to the outside in the NFL or quick little curls or slants. And Green Bay did a great job tackling those guys right away. They're playing the 49ers. And the 49ers for the past few years have led the league in yards after catch. So that to me is the matchup. Yeah, I agree. And I also think like the easy passes that Jordan Love was able to, and not like easy, like five yard outs or whatever, like easy, like guys were wide open in the middle of the field. Like those are not going to happen against the 49ers. Right. They're going to have to, they're going to have to work harder for those points. So I also will take the one seed in this game. I think the 49ers will win it. I, I think Shanahan is like, he's ready for this. He's had two weeks to plan it out. Probably got a lot of stuff on tape. He got to see against the Cowboys game and is going to incorporate 
to trip up the Packers offense a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm giving this one to the Niners too. Okay, again, I can't pick that one since I'm calling it. Those are the two Saturday games. Sunday, I think another team where if you don't have a horse in the race, you're rooting for the Lions. I mean, this is their second home game in 522 years. I mean, it, it's it's just crazy. I don't know. I kind of think I'm rooting for the really Bucks. Tampa Bay and uh, Baker Mayfield and what he's done. And kudos to Tampa Bay. They sold their soul and spent their money to win a Super Bowl while Tom was there, and they did. And they have so much dead. Well, cap that's the thing. <laughs> that's what it cost them, right? It cost them over eighty million dollars in cap money, so they had to go cheap at the quarterback. And the cheap quarterback, Baker Mayfield, threw the most touchdown passes that he's ever thrown in his career in a single season. So it has worked out well for them. They go to Detroit. What do you see here? I think Detroit's very good. I think like maybe like they need Aiden Hutchinson to have a good game, right? To to really put pressure on Baker Mayfield. Yeah. He's been injured too. He's been banged up. I like the I mean, again, it's like it's hard to pick against the favorite in in the NFL, but there were a bunch of upsets this weekend. And I I think I just want them to win because of how funny it would be to have them end up playing in an NFC championship yeah. game after this season in which Baker Mayfield's played on four teams in, in less than two years. I think it would be great if they if they pulled off a, an upset on the road, but I don't expect it to happen. I, I, so I, I guess I'll pick the line. It is another great story. I completely agree with you. Uh, but I, I think I would lean toward the Lions here. Tampa Bay in the regular season was fifth against the run, giving up, I think, just about 95 yards. The Lions have that healthy two-headed monster in Montgomery and Gibbs now. They've been doing yeah. extremely, extremely well. And then the receiving core, Sam Laporta played in that game after hurting his knee. That was impressive. And certainly, Amon Ross St. Brown as well. I just wonder if they have too much for that Tampa beat defense because the Tampa Bay offense, they ran the ball decently well against Philly, but they were winning that game so they could go more to the run. If it's mm -hmm. a closer game, I don't know if they they can count on their running attack to help to help bail or to help the passing attack with play action, especially the plays to Mike Evans. I don't know if that will happen. So I am leaning toward uh, uh, Detroit in this one as well. And then the one everybody is waiting for is the Chiefs at the Bills. And that's important to say at the Bills because it's always been at Kansas City. Now, yeah. for the first, first time, road game. for the first time in his career, Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game that's not the Super Bowl has to get on a plane and travel. They're going to the Bills. Weather shouldn't be a factor. What do you think on that one? Well, this is why the NFL is rigged because you know ah. they wanted they wanted this Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes matchup in the playoffs. They wanted a repeat of that awesome game a couple years ago that the Chiefs won. There was no doubt in my mind they were going to call defensive holding on the Steelers when the ball was already in the oh, air boy. and it was uncatchable. They were going to call not call pass interference on George Pickens when he had a chance to get a first down late in the game. I mean, they just let the Bills cheat their way into wow. a divisional round game hosting the Chiefs. Wow. I'm only like I'm only like 90% kidding. 10% yeah. of me thinks that this was rigged. Ah. I mean, I don't know. The Chiefs, I thought, looked really, really good against the Dolphins, but the Dolphins in in that environment on the road, uh, the way their offense has not been able to really do anything the last three weeks, I just... I guess it, that wasn't a surprising outcome to me. So the Chiefs looked really good, and I think the Bills, I, as as big of a lead as they had in this game at points. I thought like they let the Steelers hang in there way too long for me to feel confident about them. And the Steelers are not a bad team as much as I've, you know, like talked poorly about them this season. They're not a bad team, but they had some pretty egregious mistakes in that game. Like the, 
the Mason Rudolph interception in the red zone, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick not being able to tackle for like the first time in his life was truly shocking to right. me. Um, there was also like that that blocked field goal not great. They missed a field goal later in the game. There's, so Bill's special teams was not playing its best game uh, in the wild card round. So I I think Kansas City coming in on the road. I think they were going to win this game. So they played uh, what December twelfth, and the Bills won that game twenty to seventeen on a field goal with under two minutes to go. It's pretty evenly. Uh, played game though in that one Buffalo was up 14 to nothing uh, at first just like they were up, you said 21 nothing against yeah. Pittsburgh and, and let them back in the game and then obviously this game came back to where Kansas City never had the lead they did tie it uh, 17 all in the fourth quarter I think the biggest difference here is going to be again Josh Allen and not passing but running the ball now we didn't turn the ball over last week if he doesn't turn the ball over because he has been at times a turnover machine especially in the red zone if he doesn't turn it over, that's a big, big feather in the cap yeah. for the Bills. And he runs the ball uh, extremely well. And they've run the ball with Cook uh, extremely well coming to the end of the regular season. So, But also, but also, if you're Josh Allen and you're going to like stutter step like you're about to go down and then the defense is going to let up and then you're going to run for another 30 yards and score a touchdown and then you're going to get pass or roughing the passer called or after you slide later in the game – Rigged. I'm just saying it's you got one so, or the other. Uh, I, I just, it's not. It's not. I good. won't say rigged, but what I'll say is I hate the quarterback protection rules. If you can't hit a guy when he's sliding, if he fakes slide, you should. You can't. You shouldn't be able to allow that because the defense already has to back off if they're thinking about sliding. If then they fake that and try and run, they should be able to get their heads taken off for doing that. I what? I hate it. Listen, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I can't. You know, I I get them protecting the quarterback, but it goes too damn far. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it, uh, that they let him get away with too much at times. I agree with you there. So you agree that the Bills I don't agree that it's rigged. I agree that the league protects the quarterbacks a little more than I would like, especially when they start this fake sliding or look like they're going to run out of bounds and then stay in bounds. I mean, I, I just... I, I just want him to get slammed when they do something like that. In all, in all seriousness, like jokes aside, the Miles Jack hit when a guy is sliding and a guy comes in and they have like it's a kind of a bang bang play and the refs are like, well, he he started the slide before the defender yep. started the tap. Like that to me seems impossible yes. to officiate. And you can tell when a player like Jack put his arms up because he knew he was sliding and he didn't want to make contact but it was too late it seems like there should be some sort of intent baked into it but I guess you can't officiate that and I understand that and it makes it super inconsistent across the league like I saw Justin Fields get taken out by a Packers player in, in week 18 doing a the exact same thing gave himself up earlier and the Packers player came in later than even this hit in the Bills Steelers game no flag right. so it's just super inconsistent and it, it makes my it is you would it. like them to, to officiate intent but that's going to be hard for them to do it's so the rule yeah. they've made Jess is it's on the defender they've yeah. said it's on you if you hit him in a bang bang play it's on you when you hit him and where you hit him which to me can be at times completely unfair but that's their way of covering their and just saying, it's on you. Instead of us trying to judge intent, we're just putting the whole thing on you. And that's why they want an offensive league and they're doing everything to get an offensive league. All right, there's everything uh, about the playoffs. Really? Look at our, at our picks. Uh, unfortunately <laughs> for Jess, Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers are out. But we're going to go to college next. There's a whole lot of movement going on. And as Jess said a little earlier, a whole lot of people that are getting paid for doing absolutely nothing. 
Uh, and we'll chat about that next. All right, Jess, uh, NFL, like we said, a lot going on, but so is there in college, but just happens to be not on the field as much. And and I think what an offseason we had, right? Uh, Pete Carroll, let me just first, first say, the mutual thing is bogus. They got fired. Pete Carroll and <laughs> the mutual departing, Pete Carroll got fired. Uh, Bill yeah. Belichick and the mutual at uh, New England, they didn't want him around anymore. So they both have moved on. We've, we've talked about that some. But in college, it was one where it was this guy's choice. Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. So Nick Saban and Bill Belichick in the same year. Now, one's done coaching and the other wants to keep coaching. What was amazing to me about this, Jess, was he had said, he admitted that it was five minutes before the team meeting that he was deciding what to do. And in all honesty, if it's up in the air five minutes before the meeting, you probably did the right thing by retiring. But also, since it took you that long, I wonder how many times this offseason he will think back and maybe regret and wish he was still coaching. But I found that the most interesting thing is right up to the the last second deciding to retire. But Nick Saban walking away. Seriously, it's it's truly like people say like, ah, end of an era. But this is actually, I feel like the end of a very specific era in college football where Nick Saban was dominating the SEC. His worst season was like, they lost three games. Oh no, boo-hoo. Yeah. Like a lot of teams would kill for that. He won how many, SEC, six SEC championships. Uh, he's won seven college football champions, or having nine SEC championships. Yeah, he's know. got a lot more. He's got already, six already titles, forgot. seven overall, because he won one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's crazy. I thought his justification for why he did it now was totally like very Saban-esque. Like he, he doesn't want to lie to yeah. players and tell them he's going to be around yep. in three years for them. And I thought that that was really... Like he's someone that has changed a lot over the last 16 years at Alabama as college football has changed. And he's someone that I think genuinely seems like he cares for the players that he coaches, which is I think not super common at at this level in football. Like he actually wants to, when he's recruiting a kid, tell them the truth and tell them that he's going to be there when the kid leaves for the NFL inevitably and is drafted in the first round. Cause he had 44 first round draft picks, more first round draft picks than losses in his career at Alabama. Just like he is unequivocally, in my opinion, the best head coach of all time in college football. And I I don't even think it is possible in the realm of college football that we live in now that there will ever be someone like Nick Saban again, or there could ever be someone like Nick Saban again to have the longevity that he had at Alabama and the consistency of being the best or at least I get the top three in in the country year year in and year out. It's just like, it's insane. It's insane to me. And I don't even know how Kalen DeBoer now, who's the new head coach is going to live up to that. But I think of all the candidates that were out there for this job, I think he's definitely like a very, very solid choice for, for Greg Byrne and for Alabama moving on from Nick Saban. Cause that's the thing. I'm like, who, who do you get to follow and who wants to be the guy to follow a legend? Cause you're right. He's the best coach there's ever been in college football. He said NIL and the whole way the landscape has changed had nothing to do with it. I don't know how much I agree with it because he's always been a guy in control saying we're the best program. And basically he almost shouldn't have to go recruit you know, five stars should come to his throne and say, sir, could we please play for you? But the game has changed a bit where he actually has to give talks 
and basically say to the alumni, we now need your money and your collective money to help us bring in these players. It's not just on Alabama and the chance of winning a championship and going to the NFL. We have to pay them now as well. So uh, I think there was a little bit of an effect there. But I, I agree with that. I think for the most part it was I can't look these guys in the eye anymore, these kids, and say, I'm going to be here the whole time for you. So I think that was a big part of it. And I do think Kalen DeBoer was, was a good pick. This guy's had – huge success against top ranked teams before, but what a, what a journey Sioux falls. He coached, but NAIA, I mean, winning titles there to a couple of years at Fresno state and, and now, you know, at, at Washington. And I mean, really an amazing thing of, of what he has done, uh, in the short amount of time that he has done it. Uh, but he's had success. Like we said, uh, against some better teams. So I can see why, because you're almost in a no-win situation, right? I mean, of following following Nick Saban. Because it's not even like you can go to a long-tenured assistant because his assistants leave to go be head coaches all the time. So it's not right, like there's right. anyone like a coordinator who's been there with him for 15 years, right? So he, he can't even really do that. He had a guy in Steele who had been there a short time, the D coordinator, but he walked away. Uh, as well. So, but, but boy, what it started, Jess, you alluded to this earlier, the domino effect of if your name was mentioned with Alabama, you were going to get a, you were going to get more money. Yeah. The crazy thing about this entire coaching search and the, the f- kind of four days that it played out in was that four of the uh, clients of Jimmy Sexton were four four college coaches that were kind of in the mix for this job were all clients of Jimmy Sexton, who's an agent at CAA, uh, Kalen DeBoer, who ended up getting the job, Steve Sarkeesian, who got a huge raise at Texas, state of Texas, Dan Lanning, who stayed at Oregon. I don't know if he's getting a raise or not. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if yep. he did. And Mike well, Norvell at Florida State, who also got a huge raise. So Jimmy Sexton, who also Nick Saban is a client of his, got so much money in all of this, uh, which is crazy. And these other four coaches or three coaches, I should say that were all in the mix. Also Tommy Reese, we should mention was in the mix. He did get an interview. He is now, I don't know what he's going to yeah. do, but wouldn't surprise me if he went on to the NFL, um, because Washington's going to, or, uh, Alabama is going to have most, most of Washington's staff next yeah. year, including their offensive coordinator. Um, it's just a incredibly weird kind of, weird intermingling between the agents and the coaches and the ADs in college football. It's very weird. You have to kind of, it's weird as a fan having to pay attention to like uh, agents and reporters and all of these things that kind of give you hints about what's going to happen. But um, very interesting. Interesting that Sark didn't want to come back to Alabama and be the head coach. Uh, I don't blame him. I think if you're another coach in the SEC, now that Saban's left, this is a huge opportunity. Like I know Kirby smart probably was like, Hell yeah, when he found yeah. out Saban was leaving. Because now, even if Kalen DeBoer is able to meet expectations next year and be, you know, at the top of the SEC, it's not as scary as Nick Saban is going to be facing you in the SEC championship game and you don't have a great track record against him like Kirby Smart doesn't against Nick Saban. So it's very interesting. It's like I said, it's like truly the end of an era because yeah. next year. The Pac-12 has gone. It's just it doesn't exist anymore. All those teams are leaving. They're going to the Big Ten and the in the Big Twelve, and the a ACC, couple of them yeah. are 
Yeah, exactly. And Nick Saban is gone. There's a 12-team playoff. We're in like unprecedented NIL and portal era movement on teams. If you're, you know, a player that was on Washington, you're probably you're probably going to consider leaving now that your coach is gone. If you're a player on Alabama and Saban leaves, you're probably going to consider leaving now that your coach is gone. So everything is changing rapidly. It's a it's an insane time to be a fan because you just don't even know what's going to happen next. But it's it's pretty exciting. It, it, 2024 yeah. has the opportunity to be one of the most insane college football seasons. Well, college football changed so much with the Portland NIL. Now it's going to, would we say, even a bigger change and now going to a 12-team playoff? I mean, what has gone on? And then with all the conferences uh, that are realigning, it is wild out there. And I wonder, normally, Jess, a head coach would be giving – be given his recruiting class, let your recruiting class go through to see what you're going to do. And I know in times it's even been shorter than that. Do we think leashes are going to be even shorter because of the transfer portal and the fact that it's even more free agency than in the NFL? At least in the NFL, you have to wait till your contract runs out before you can become a free agent. In college, you don't. You can literally transfer every year, every other year and go play for a new team. So I wonder if ADs and schools are going to look at this and say, well, if we're going to be doing all this, we better be better in a hurry than waiting for our 18-year-old freshmen to be, you know, 20-year-old, you know, more grizzled veteran players. It's a good question. I was also talking about this with your son, Gojo, and we had uh, we were both curious about now that there's a 12-team playoff, if um, those, like, top jobs are going to be – you're giving a little a little bit of a longer leash to coaches that are making the playoff now right. because it's not just for coaches and you're 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 kind of safe if you're one of those four. It's now extended to like oh we were on the cusp you know we were we were ranked 15 or we were 12 and we made it and we we won a game you know it, that kind of changes the calculation too. So I, I really don't know. I mean it it is when there's so much money to be made being one of these coaches, either through leaving for a new job or signing a humongous extension off the back of like your 13 and 0 season, if you're Mike Norvell uh, and and we're completely forgetting that the orange bowl happened. um, I just, I don't think you're ever going to see any sort of stability either in either direction, but I also can, I can see an argument for now. Um, Things, you know, you're given maybe a little bit of a longer leash if you're, signing a good recruiting class and you're you're the 12 seed or you're the 11 seed or whatever and and you get to play in a playoff game especially at programs that haven't made this 14 playoff at all in the last 10 years which is most teams incredible college football continues to be talked about and will as the offseason rolls on will continue even more as we get closer to the uh uh the combine and the draft and where these some of these top players are going to go a lot more to get into there, but we still have NFL playoffs. We have the divisional round uh, that is coming up this weekend. Uh, we ca- we made our picks, Jess, in all four games. I did mine uh, for three because I'll be uh, going to San Francisco for the Green Bay game. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Plus the coaching decisions. Again, these have to come down pretty quickly, and you just wait to hear from all the insiders on what's the latest issue uh, that's going to go on. Uh, but all I'm trying to think about now is when the next time I can see you, Jess, because I got spoiled when I did the Buffalo Miami game and you brought me so many chocolate chip cookies that I love them so much that I don't know when I'm going to be able to get baked goods from you again. 
Well, unfortunately, the Dolphins crap the yeah. bed, so they're not hosting a playoff game anytime soon. Um, I guess in Vegas, maybe I'll maybe I'll bring something to Vegas oh, for you. Oh, there you go. Or maybe we'll find a place where you can bake something right there in Vegas, Ooh, and then we have yeah. fresh baked goods. That's a great idea. All right. Do any of the casinos have a? I, I guess maybe you can get a, an important person suite with an oven. Try and do I don't that. Think my room's gonna I will that. get a situation <laughs> where we can have some sort of baking feast together. Okay. I look forward to that. I'm down.